The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Would you like to know how to make better decisions for your business, your people, or yourself? Do you want to recognize when you make errors of judgment that cause the quality of your decisions to drop? And when you are moving away from, not closer to, your goal? Welcome to Because There's More with Laura Ellis. For the next hour, Laura and her guests will share experiences and insights that will challenge and stretch your thinking, help you recognize your biases, and ultimately guide you towards more predictable and accurate decisions. You'll walk away from this show feeling better informed, more inspired, and a lot more confident about your next big decision. Now, here's your host, Laura Ellis. Hi, I'm Laura Ellis, and this is Because There's More, the show that takes a closer look at decision-making. For those of you who are listening in for the first time, you can expect to hear on our shows specific examples of how our guests make decisions to overcome and sometimes not overcome their challenges or to make the best of situations that are very similar to the ones you experience today in your own business. I am confident that after every show, you will leave with more insights and more information that will help you make better decisions in your business. I am delighted to invite you to our third show. Before, though, I go ahead and introduce today's guest, I just want to provide some background. In 2013, I founded Trusted Advisory Board, or TAP for short. TAP is a company, a team, and a brand with a single core focus. We help senior executives, board directors, and entrepreneurs make better business decisions because better decisions build better businesses. Today, there are 14 professionals along myself uh, who are behind TAP, and those professionals are all of different uh, expertise, different experiences. They bring uh, different insights. They come from different cultures. It is my intention to introduce you to every one of them over the next uh, coming weeks. This radio show is TAB's information channel. And if you do want to find out more about TAB, you can visit our website at www.trustedadvisoryboard.com. I was myself interviewed on uh, my perspective of how decision-making impacts business success, and I shared some of the science behind decision-making. So I want to, sh- uh, to thank my interviewer, Chris Cooper, a host on Voice America's business channel, for making my first radio experience um, very pain-free, which, by the way, I cannot promise to my guest today, and TAB advisor, Rochelle Oakley. So, Rochelle, welcome to the show, and thank you for being so courageous. Thank you, Lara. Um, I just want to introduce you formally to Rochelle. I met Rochelle in 2009 when I was uh, consulting with uh, BlackBerry, and um, if I was to describe Rochelle, I would say that she is the most focused, most 
determined, most um, hardworking and smart female professional I have worked with, which is why it is such a great privilege that Rochelle has accepted to lend her entrepreneurship and her business savvy and her passion to make businesses succeed to add to uh, what TAP does for for clients. And um, today, Rochelle runs her own organization, um, which is a Canadian distribution company of consumer electronics called Jabacat Inc. Inc. And in addition to that, she is also a partner um, and an investor on a number of uh, product development organizations. Outside business, Rochelle is a single mom and is a very active uh, volunteer in her community. And she's currently pursuing an undergraduate degree with Harvard Business Extension. It is very fitting that Rochelle is the first guest on the show. Last year, when I reached out to Rochelle to talk to her about this amazing new company that I founded, this new concept, I was very much struggling describing what TAB does, what TAB is. And unfortunately, every discussion I would have with people would end up in them saying, I'm not quite clear, or are you an executive coach? So when I talked to Rochelle, I was at that point, and um, bless her, she she listened to me saying, well, it does this, but it doesn't do this, and it's this, but it's not that. And at the end of it, Rochelle said, well, I know a company who could benefit from working with TAB. Let me introduce you to them, just like that. And after that, she wrote an introductory email, and today, part of that email uh, represents or describes TAB Ignite, which is one of the ways in which TAB engages uh, clients. So welcome to the show, Rochelle, and thank you for wanting to be a TAB advisor. How would you describe TAB? I think of TAB as your personal board of directors. So it's a group of uh, experienced individuals from across different fields that are at your disposal to go to to help you in your decision-making processes. Excellent. Thank you. Just as clear now as you are then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, why did you agree to be a TAB advisor? I think that um, I agreed because I benefited from the from the services of TAB before. I've worked with you before. I see the benefit of it, and I think that I would like to help um, other individuals, whether they be entrepreneurs or CEOs running organizations, executives, uh, mid-level executives in companies um, with their decision-making, because I think it's we're just helping one another. We're all in the same position, really, and uh, and I just want to contribute. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And uh, all the other advisors on the board share this passion for helping other businesses. So it's great that we all have that in common. You know, I was thinking we talked about everything that TAB does, everything that uh, is talked about on the show. It is about decision making. So here's a thought. What if I start every conversation on the show with a proven fact about how we typically make decisions? So Today, I'm going to use one of my favorite quotes from Daniel Kahneman, who's a professor in psychology at Princeton University and someone who spent his entire career 
researching how we make decisions. And by the way, throughout his journey, he founded behavioral economics and won a Nobel Prize for it. So here's the quote for today. We think, each of us, that we're much more rational than we are. And we think that we make our decisions because we have good reasons to make them, even when it's the other way around. We believe in the reasons because we've already made the decision. So I don't know about you, but I think of this every time when I work with an executive who shares with me the reason for which they've made a decision everyone else around them thinks it's the wrong decision. So how does it strike you? What does that, how does it resonate with you, what I've just shared? Well, I I think um, it's absolutely true. I think that a lot of, my mother used to say the pride goeth before the fall, um, which means I think sometimes we get too stuck in thinking that we're making the right decision um, and and we don't want to, maybe even show a weakness or we get too stuck in our ways. And I think that if you continue on that path without looking at the other options, um, then I, I think that you're doomed uh, for failure. And, and I think that really um, that's what we saw at RIM. I think right towards the end, um, er- everybody knew and everybody was recommending that they brought somebody in externally to come r- run the organization and they executives um, instead hired someone from within, and I think that was really a fatal decision uh, for Rem. Yeah, and just to explain to uh, our listeners who may not know, uh, may not have been aware that the maker of BlackBerry used to be called Rem Research in Motion. That's what Rochelle is referring to. Um, so. Today, we know that uh, BlackBerry holds 0.5% of the market, which is a huge drop from where they were, considering they did introduce the concept of a um, smartphone to the market. When you look back, what do you believe in the context of that quote? Um, where, what did you see in their decision-making that was obvious to you um, that the company is going to take a downturn? I think I saw it personally uh, a long time before the downturn was starting to become evident to, I think, everybody else. But it, I think decision-making really was key. I think that um, because you make a lot of good decisions for a really long time, um, I think you might become overly confident in in your ability to make decisions, and then you don't think you need to ask externally or for help or when other people are providing information, um, you think you really know better. And I, and I really believe that that type of hubris um, is, can be deadly to an organization. And I, I think that's what happened at RIM. Sure. So we talked in that, uh, or in that quote, we talk about uh, really, we don't even know that perhaps we made the decision and then we bring up the reasons why we made the decision. Are there any examples that come to mind, uh, more concrete examples in how BlackBerry executives were making decisions at the time that may kind of mimic or mirror uh, that statement? Well, I, I think that um, there were quite a few decisions that they made. I'll give you one example, though, is that they had developed a product um, 
that was excellent that that shot them up in the market um, originally with their BlackBerry. And when the market needed, when they needed to grow in the market and expand to the consumer space, they didn't want to. Um, they were really stuck in the fact that, you know, this product that we made is what made us uh, who we are today. And we don't want to change anything about it. And they held on to that decision despite a lot of external and internal pressure to change for a very long time before they decided to uh, open up to the consumer market. And even when doing that, and, and by opening up to the consumer market at that time, that simply meant putting a camera in the BlackBerry. Um, and it took them a long time to make that decision, a lot of pressure. And, um, and even once they made that decision, it, it really wasn't wholehearted. Yeah. And um, for my own understanding uh, and, and others, uh, RIM was at that time very entrenched in the enterprise world. So they were not being used by consumers, but in the enterprise world. And what are you saying that they chose not to put a camera because it felt that it wasn't a, a good addition for the enterprise uh, clients? wasn't needed by the enterprise client. It drained the battery. At the time, it was known for having a very long battery life. Uh, but they they owned that market at the time. And if they wanted to continue to expand, they needed to look at expanding into the consumer market. So to continue to be innovative, to, to continue to grow, they needed to start looking at the uh, consumer space. Right. Right. And I know that uh, you are very strong decision making. I also know from research in decision making that we typically are better at seeing errors in judgment in others than in ourselves. And uh, you have always been um, a strong advocate of supporting the business you work for. You're very passionate. When I met you, you're very passionate today. Um were you making any attempts to uh, share your point of view or were other people? Tell us more about that. I, I Not at that particular time I wasn't. Uh-huh. I think towards, um, towards the, the end, I was starting to question the decisions that they were making um, in the consumer space. So, you know, I, I was in support of them growing and going into the consumer space. Um, but once they did, they sort of added the camera in, but they didn't, uh, develop in the app area. And that went on for a couple of years again, um, where they weren't investing in the app space. And I was, I was questioning that a lot in the organization. Um, but it was, it was really frustrating at that time because nobody else seemed to sort of be on board with that decision. Yeah. And and it's hard to, to know what was going on in those people's minds, but, you are still being there. Um, what are your insights? What was going on? How were they deciding? I mean, let's be honest, BlackBerry um, already hired the best experts, uh, the best engineers. So uh, it's not like the company was run or uh, it employed uh, average thinkers. What do you think was going on? Well, Unfortunately, I, I think that it, it really needs to come from the top down. Um, and I think just it was a small organization that started up. Uh, it grew to be a huge global organization really rather quickly. And I don't think that the structure internally was set up um, to continue to support it. 
They just weren't prepared for the competition. They weren't prepared um, to let go. So a lot of the decision-making was still happening with the top two um, CEOs. And it it just, uh, it it outgrew itself and they did not conform to that. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, What made you decide to leave? Because I know when you and I met, I was working with the entire sales team and, and there was a lot of turmoil, but yet you stayed on... Um, longer than some, less than others, but it was a decision you made deliberately. How did you come to that decision? I think when they finally uh, appointed uh, Torsten Hines as the CEO, I realized that the poor decision-making was continuing in the organization and that it wasn't going to change. And I really saw that as just uh, extending the slow death um, for, you know, another year. That's what I said at the time, you know, they've just bought themselves another year. I was really hoping that the organization would either bring someone in externally or that it would be bought out. And that those two, either of those two decisions would have taken the company in a different direction. Um, So when they appointed him, I I knew at that time that not only did I think that the company then had no chance of turning at that point, but I didn't think it was fair any longer for me to stay when um, I think it felt like most of the organization thought that that was a great decision, this was a good thing for RIM, and I really couldn't support the decision. So that was when I decided to leave. Yeah. Any? Can you share with us in a few minutes? We're going to go on the break in a, in a couple of minutes. But um, what made you see that as not a good uh, decision or as a bad decision and what were the reasons as we talked earlier of the people who saw that to be a good decision it was the same types of decisions that they made for that organization uh, all along the, the organization at the time um, I thought was was built up with a lot of people that did not have the experience to take us through uh, the types of challenges and the types of competitive environment that we had entered into. And I think the only way we could have gotten through that at the time was to bring in somebody externally who had that type of experience. And the internal appointment of someone who lacked that experience, to me, mimicked the same types of uh, repetitive uh, decision-making um, that they had been making all along uh, to promote within uh, to bring on trusted people that they liked that, you know, I used to say they took the it's who you know, not what you know, to <laughs> to an extreme. Um, and so I, I really I really think that um, they they needed to if you, you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to continue get, to get the same results. And yep. that's what was was happening. Yeah, that's very interesting. In fact, that I know that I am going to refer uh, the content of the show to a number of clients because there's so much insight and so much uh, um, great content in what you just uh, said. Um, so what, we, what we're going to do now, we're going to go to the break and shortly after we'll be back to talk more to Rochelle about decision making and now perhaps in a different context, the, dis, uh, the context of becoming entrepreneur. So don't Don't go anywhere. We'll come back with Rochelle and talk more about decision-making.
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a CEO, a board director, or an entrepreneur looking to have more control over the future of your organization? If the answer is yes, you need Tab Ignite. Our approach is unique, intelligent, and it works. Our solution is exclusively positioned to guarantee the results you seek for your business because we make it simple for you to tap our advisor's expertise and experience and make accurate business decisions. Ask Tab Ignite to work for you at tabignite at trustedadvisoryboard.com and make your next decision the first of many best decisions for your company. Do you believe in the value you bring to an organization? Have you been overlooked for a promotion because you think differently than your peers? Do you know that you can and will make a difference to the business? Let Tab Advanced be your personal advisory board and help you make different, better decisions about your career. Our team is customized to your successful advancement and hones in on when, why, and how you make those decisions. Build a more fulfilling career. Contact us today at advance at trustedadvisoryboard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Because There's More with host Laura Ellis. To connect with our program today, please send Laura an email to lellis at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Now, back to Because There's More. Welcome back. I'm Laura Ellis, and today I'm talking to Rochelle Oakley, TAB advisor and successful entrepreneur about how we make business decisions for reasons we believe sometimes to be right, but often are not because we already made the decision. Hi, Rochelle. Hello, Laura. We talked, uh, you shared with us some very uh, great insights from your experience um, at RIM. So, what I'd like to do now is um, is bring uh, the discussion to today and talk to you about how did you uh, decide to become an uh, entrepreneur and what process of decision making did you go uh, through and tell us more about your business. So I've I'd always known that I wanted to start my own business. I think I used to always even uh, operate in my roles as if I was running my own company. So I always knew that was something that I wanted to do. Um, really, the opportunity presented itself. So I always say the opportunity met with opportunity. I knew I wanted to leave RIM, and this opportunity came up. And it's really what helped um, propel the decision for me. Um, so that's really how, uh, how it all came about. Yeah. And um, what was happening um, also in in your mind? How did you prepare to start? What were you doing at the beginning of the business that ensuring that other people may uh, um, benefit from knowing? Well, my whole life prepared for it. We we should say, um, like I said, I I had always run, uh, gathered information from every role that I was in. Um, knowing that one day that this this is what I wanted to do. Um, and it was really just a matter of uh, finding where where I really fit and what my, my passion was and what I really wanted to go out and do on my own. So finding, obviously, everybody um, knows or should know that the best way to be successful in finding something you want to do is to find something that you're passionate about. 
Excellent. Um, we talked about BlackBerry before the break. What did you learn from BlackBerry from both a good and less good perspective about um, how to prepare you for the business? You know, I you have to have a great product. So that's something um, that that BlackBerry did. And BlackBerry grew without any marketing. It was really word of mouth. Um, if you ha- you can have a great product, um, you can really, um, by word of mouth, great product or great service, um, you can really grow your, your business um, without spending even a, a lot of money on, on marketing. Um, and I think that there is some things to be said about keeping sort of that entrepreneurial type of a spirit um, as you go. But I think some of the things that I, I did learn is is that, um, you know, sometimes you need to bring in uh, the experience, um, even though it might be your product or your service or your passion, um, there are going to be people that will be able to come in and bring a sense of experience. Um, you, you can't be the um, jack of all trades, really. You need to bring in some people that know how to specialize in certain things and to help your business grow at some point. That's great. One of the, uh, I think that myself as an entrepreneur and other entrepreneurs struggle with is deciding at what point in their business's growth they bring in um, the expertise. Because at first you want to grow the company. But then what I have seen as an uh, advisor is that people may go on for too long uh, without that expertise uh, or even may hire in or bring in the the expertise that they believe is the right one, but not may not be. Any perspective um, there, Rochelle, that you can share with us? Well, I, I definitely think you're right. I think uh, two big mistakes that entrepreneurs make is either bringing in people too early, or or not bringing them in or bringing them in too late. And the difficult thing is, is that's going to be very dependent on each individual organization when when you bring them in. Um, So I don't think, um, you know, it's going to be dependent on your finances um, and and how quickly your business grows. But I think when you start, when the business starts um, developing enough money and enough funds, um, I think this is where business planning comes into play. I think you need to decide um, who you need to bring in as a priority, maybe know where your um, skills lack and know where along the way in in your uh, growth and development um, you can afford to start bringing people in. Yeah, that, that's a great point you made there about knowing where your skills lack because um, I do talk to entrepreneurs who sometimes tend to follow a um, you know, the expectation that others have set for them, um, you know, you hire salespeople to grow the organizations, whereas really they could have been better off um, hiring someone who has some financial expertise that is stronger than theirs because lacking the right skill set at the right time can hold back um, your business. I um, I also heard you talk about business planning, and I know that you have and feel quite strongly about that uh, part of growing your business. But let me take it from another angle. What are, so far, your successful business? What are the two best decisions that you have made for your business? 
so the first one was to go into business on my own. And that that's the biggest decision and the best decision that, that I've made. So you have to be able to take that risk. Um, the second uh, dis- best decision that I made was to make a business plan. It um, I didn't do it at the beginning, um, as people will often recommend that you do. Um, so I waited, but when I, I finally did it, it changed the direction of my business and, and possibly averted me um, from, from going down the wrong path. So help us through your own thinking process here. You said, I didn't do it early, I did it later, and help us understand what drove your decision-making so people can relate and decide for themselves, am I in the same position or should I look at it differently? And and I'll give you a little bit of background um, because I talk a lot about the, the hubris at, at RIM, so I'll, I'll um, throw myself into that as well. I came from a, a business planning sort of a background. It's what I'd done in other roles. I've actually written business plans for other companies before. Um, but, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, uh, you want to go out and, and just get your business going. And to sit down and write a business plan really almost seems like make work type uh, project. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, or it seemed like something you needed to do if you wanted investors, all of those types of things. I, I didn't think I knew that. And in my head, I knew where I was going with the business and really, and, and this is not, uh, meant to be a plug for tap, but it really wasn't until, um, I was speaking with you, Lara, um, where, where we were having discussions about my company and sort of a tap type of a, of a, an environment, um, that I understood and I, I had the light bulb go off and, and why I needed to go back and, and, and make the business plan that it, the company, my company was more about, it's a distribution company. I was out selling, but my company, uh, a business is more than just sales. Um, it's about bottom lines and are, are you, uh, saving where you should be saving? Are you marketing where you should be marketing? Who's your competition? It's more than that, and I really wasn't looking at my business that way. I just wanted to hit the ground running. Yeah, and without going into the details, um, do you remember roughly what actually uh, caused you to write the business plan? You, you are a strong decision maker. You, you have been in business for a long time. So um, I don't want people to assume that someone from TAP told you do a plan and you said, yes, I will, because you had a lot more business context than probably other people. So it would have just happened on a whim, right? But what may have caused you to say, yes, I do need to take a step back and and reconsider this? There were there were a couple of different things that happened. For one, there were some changes that were happening in my business that I wasn't prepared for. And that was that the uh, the change in the Canadian dollar. Um, and then we, we had had, a, a conversation, uh, about the requirements for planning that, that men, if you remember the conversation, yeah. men had a tendency to, uh, sit down and plan more, um, than, than women did. And I thought that that was very enlightening uh, and very challenging. And when I when I started the business plan and it started to evolve, that's when I noticed that these two collisions of things, this change in the dollar, um, was heading me down um, a path to, to going out of business. Really, 
Yeah. So when we look at templates, you know, there, there are a number of things that uh, are required to be filled in uh, by someone who uh, completes a business plan. Like, you know, who? what's your vision? What's your mission? What's your competition? What's your marketing? Um, they kind of feel very conceptual and it almost feels like someone can write anything and everything they like, which is what I did about two years ago when I created the business plan. What are the more concrete or specific things that you realized in spite of all your background and, and experience you had not considered? Well, in writing the business plan, and I'm just going to... To maybe take this in a different direction, but um, I think another thing that stops people from writing business plans are um, looking at the template. You get a little bit overwhelmed. Where do I start? You, you you know you look at the very first line. It says write your mission statement, and you think, gosh, what's my mission statement? And then and then you think I'm going to go away and think about it. And then two weeks later, you look at it again. You think I still don't have a mission statement. And you you walk away again, and it, and it, and it can really trip you up and. So my recommendation in writing a business plan is start with what you know and then work your way out. So if you you know what you want to do for sales, start with the financial aspect and then start filling out the plan um, elsewhere because a business plan really, first and foremost, regardless of what you need it for, if you need it for the bank or if you need it for investors, a business plan is for you to help organize your thoughts, to help put your everything that you have planned for your organization onto a piece of paper and then to look at all the other aspects that are going to um, affect your business. But start with what you know and then work your way out. And, and um, your business plan should always, anyways, be a flowing document that you're constantly going back to and, and adjusting and updating. Yeah, that's great. What I love, because you and I talk, uh, obviously, outside of this radio show um, about the concept of business planning, but what I love in what you are saying is um, the fact that you don't say people have to start on day one. So that's very important. But what you're also saying is that don't assume just because you've started making money don't assume that you don't have to write the business plan anymore. There's a lot of confusing information in the in the literature, even around business planning, that um, either says, don't do it, just start running your business, or insist that you do it early. But there isn't the sense that I'm getting from you, that strong sense that business planning for a business, it's the same thing as selling for your business. You cannot have um, a business without a business plan because eventually it will hurt your business. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I love about what you're saying is the fact, and I'm not sure you mentioned it today, but you always talk to me about how dynamic the business planning is, that it does change and therefore, you need to come back to to it on a regular basis. Any any more on that that you can add? Well, a, bit, a business plan is, you're correct. You have different aspects of your business regardless of what you're doing. You've got selling. You've got marketing. You've got your um, bookkeeping. 
business planning needs to be a part of that. And a business plan is not, um, a business plan helps keep your business organized and on track and that you're on top of everything. So, uh, again, that, that's why a business plan isn't something you write in the beginning and you file in your desk and you sort of walk away from. A business plan is the planning and ongoing planning of your business. So it really should be an ongoing and dynamic um, part of your business, just as keeping your bookkeeping up to date is, just as uh, making sure that you're marketing, you're keeping on top of your competition, all of that goes into your business plan. But it should be a dynamic of your business. Yes. And you're absolutely right. Without stopping to take the time to think about those things, you really uh, come across situations where you forget to link the situations. You know, you forget to link sales with marketing or um, it, it's outside of your mind to link sales with the finances uh, on an ongoing basis. So it is a business plan that's allowing you to give uh, your business that holistic uh one entity kind of uh, feeling. So apart from, um, we have a few minutes uh, before we go uh, into the break, but apart from all the great content you share on, on business planning, you're also a female entrepreneur. Do you have any insights on how that kind of changes the dynamic or are there any differences um, or any new information that you would add to what you've already shared with us? Well, I do. I think women are, uh, are make good on, entrepreneurs because we're very, we're very organized. Um, and I think that, um, you know, we're, we're very hardworking, but women do think differently than men. Um, we don't, uh, we, I think we don't ask for enough for ourselves. We have to start, um, expecting, um, a lot for, for ourselves. We have to start speaking up a lot more, putting ourselves out there more, taking more risks. Um, I think that's really how women differ. And I think if you can change that mindset, uh, I think that's going to make a big difference in the amount of women entrepreneurs that are going to be out there. Do you have any examples for us, uh, how you were able to do that and even what allowed you or made it easier for you to do that? Because it's certainly not an easy thing, right, to do. Right. So it, an example is, you know, um, they say a lot of women, women are less likely to ask for a raise than men are. So with that in the back of my mind, I was involved in some product developments through um an associate of mine who asked me to help out. And I was helping them out with my current business, helping them out along the way. Um, for a while before I finally said, look, um, I'm not helping out anymore unless I'm made a partner and I want to be an equal partner. And they were a little bit taken aback at first that I, that I asked for that. Um, although it wouldn't have been any different had, you know, any of them, uh, asked such a question, but because I had asked it and I'd always just been helping out and being nice. Uh, but I said, look, I, I'm not helping out any further unless I made an equal partner. And they said, yes. Um, so that really started another part of my business. And then I've continued to stay with that type of mentality of just asking for what I think I'm entitled to. And that's, that's worked out for me. 
That's excellent. And that's, again, very useful uh, insight for a lot of the women entrepreneurs and something we will talk more about after we come back from the break. So stay tuned and we'll be on a break for a couple of minutes. the boardroom to you voice america business network do you believe in the value you bring to an organization have you been overlooked for a promotion because you think differently than your peers do you know that you can and will make a difference to the business let tab advanced be your personal advisory board and help you make different better decisions about your career our team is customized to your successful advancement and hones in on when why and how you make those decisions Build a more fulfilling career. Contact us today at advance at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Are you a CEO, a board director, or an entrepreneur looking to have more control over the future of your organization? If the answer is yes, you need Tab Ignite. Our approach is unique, intelligent, and it works. Our solution is exclusively positioned to guarantee the results you seek for your business because we make it simple for you to tap our advisor's expertise and experience and make accurate business decisions. Ask Tab Ignite to work for you at tabignite at trustedadvisoryboard.com and make your next decision the first of many best decisions for your company. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into Because There's More with host Laura Ellis. To connect with our program today, please send Laura an email to lellis at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Now, back to Because There's More. Hi, I'm Laura Ellis, and we're here with Rochelle Oakley, who's a successful entrepreneur who has kindly shared with us her insights from building her business and learning from her own successes and own mistakes. So just before the break, we were talking um, a bit about being a female entrepreneur and some general examples about what Rochelle has experienced and what she has seen women to do less or more um, when compared to men and might be an explanation as to why they're not enough women entrepreneurs. Um, what I'd like to ask Rochelle is where, where in your life have you had um, strong women models that have inspired you to even have the strength and the determination to be in business uh, for yourself? Well, I've had I've had a few along the way. I've worked for uh, some very strong women before, but I I have to tell you though, um, my role models really mostly have been um, men. Um, I've uh, worked with a lot of great men in my life, and really use them as role models, just as you would uh, a woman. So I don't think you necessarily, when you're a woman entrepreneur, need to have women as role models. I think you can use men as role models as well. That's great. And how would you, if you were to, uh, and we didn't really talk about this before, but if you were to um, be asked to ask women um, 
come out to contribute to the uh, and be an entrepreneur, where would you start? What what kind of things would you do, or what would you like to see happen for a woman to be an entrepreneur? Yes. I think that you need to first, you have to find your passion. That's for anybody. So again, almost for, it's for being a woman entrepreneur, it, it is really almost the same as a man being an entrepreneur. So first we have to stop, um, I think, putting ourselves in a, in a box. We do think differently. I think we need to, to um, take more risks. I think we have to put ourselves out there a lot more. Um, I think it's it's fine to use men as role models um, to to adopt their styles. You are going to, as a woman entrepreneur, going to be dealing with a lot of men um, in business, and uh, but also don't be afraid um, to bring bring use our um, our good skills. Like we're we're very organized. When I'm um, when I'm in a partnership with people, I quite often take on the organizational tasks. Um, and that's a traditional female thing. And I don't rebuff it because I say, you know, well, don't, don't ask me to, to do that stuff because I'm a woman. It's, it's a skill of mine and the partnerships, um, uh, profit from that skill. So don't be afraid to use men as role models. Don't be afraid to use your attributes as a woman to bring yourself forward, um, and then speak up more and put yourself out there, take risks. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting you're talking about the, uh, bringing in the organizational skills to, to the business. I, um, I've been working and doing some research on what are the differences in decision-making between men and, and women. And of course, one can come at it from a variety of perspectives. But the one that I'm particularly passionate and very intrigued and interested in is mostly the anthropological perspective and the fact that from very early times when we, you know, we left the, the cave environment and became uh, uh, humans, um, women remained uh, behind in the cave and then men uh, went hunting and finding uh, food for the family. So, I, I do see, and, and I have found supporting research, I do see quite a strong connection between those roles and how women and men in business today think differently because there's certainly um, a sense of focus that I see in men that is getting, uh, that it gives him the get up and go to do that very thing. Whereas what I see in women most often um, is a very broad sense of perspective. They, they have um, a tendency to um, develop the, the picture, the frame of the picture through which they see the reality. Um, in fact, someone I know once said that uh, it was described to him that when you walk into an opening in the forest, the woman, the man will see the rabbit, whereas the woman will see, you know, the trees, the flowers and everything else, which if you think about it, it's very useful. Um, both uh, ways of thinking are very useful in uh, in running a, a business. And it's what I hear you say about that organization part because connecting the pieces together it's very important to allow people to have the right focus have you experienced that in in other ways or 
How do you feel about that statement? Well, I definitely think that um, we're very detail-oriented. Um, we've got great people skills for dealing with your um, staff and your organization. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that there needs to be this uh, marriage of retaining sort of the wonderful and unique attributes that women bring to a business. Uh, and then, but then also, um, you know, marrying it a little bit with um, some of those more masculine attributes where we need to be more risk takers. We need to um, ask for what we we're entitled to, uh, things like that. Yeah, which is very interesting because there is a lot of research that actually shows that in in roles that require innovation, which is in and of itself about risk taking, um, women demonstrate more risk taking. So it's possible that what's holding women back, it may be different than a lack of risk taking and more. And here I go again with my perspective, but more a matter of perspective and perhaps considering um too many things uh, that may prevent someone from engaging in action or too many risks that may or may not be uh, relevant, but taking too broad of a perspective. We are now in the final segment of our show. So what I'd like to do is, if possible, to kind of go over through uh, the things that we have or you have shared, great content throughout, and tell us your top things that you believe uh, an entrepreneur would need and would uh, be best suited to do in order to be a, a successful business. And I'm not necessarily talking just to start a business, but to continue to grow and to, um, you know, have a successful business. What would those things be from your so experience? So do do a business plan. They are important um, do develop your own board of directors, your own personal board of directors that you can go to for information um, for to draw on from their experience. And whether that be um, networking for your own group or hiring uh, an organization like TAB, um, don't try to do it all yourself. So plan out your business that when you can bring on people and certain expertise, you do that. And then don't, especially for entrepreneurs, don't confuse your business with yourself. And that is the included in the way um, that you set up your organization from a legal aspect um, to the way you run it. Run it like you're the C. You've been hired as a CEO to run somebody else's organization. That helps take the emotion out of the decisions that you make. Yeah, that's excellent advice because I know for myself how heavy. Um, my own emotions weigh in in the decisions that I make. In fact, one of the uh, people that I'll be inviting and is a tab advisor, um, a psychologist who will talk more about the impact of our emotions on on decision making. But I just want to go back to some of the things you said. Surround yourself with a board of advisors. A lot of the times, people don't know what they don't know. And even in doing that, what have you learned that, again, can close those gaps of where people don't know what advisors to even invite in their decision-making? Well, if you're using an organization like TAB, the good thing is you don't need to know because you can go to the organization and say, here's the situation that I have, and TAB will, will pull on 
from the experience that you have, um, from the experience that they have the right people to pull in to help make that decision. Um, but if you don't have something like that, um, you know, the one thing that I can tell you is you don't know everything. I mean, I can, without even meeting you, without knowing your business, you know, that's sort of a blanket statement. You're not, you're not going to know everything. Um, so it is important to have people. Unfortunately, most people can't find the breadth and the depth that you're going to find in an organization like TAB. But um, if you have people, trusted people, experienced people from various roles, various organizations that you can go to for advice to bounce ideas off of, to help talk you through things, um, that's, that's imperative to have. That's excellent. And let me shape uh, or let me bring a different angle, my angle, the psychology angle or the cognitive uh, uh, thinking processes of that angle. Um, if you're totally stuck and you're starting from scratch and you don't or can't afford to work uh, with an organization like TAB, go for people who perhaps have different thinking styles than you, different experiences than you. Um, yes, it is important that someone in your board of advisors has experience of exactly the thing that you are doing. But one of the things that I find in uh, um, in uh, board of directors for entrepreneurial companies or, you know, advisory board is that they tend to come, even if they represent finance or marketing or business development, they tend to come from the same industry. So a lot of the time what happens, uh, people who have lived under the same and worked under the same conditions and circumstances develop a similar way of looking at the problem. So as much as that is valuable, you will perhaps get more value from actually um, bringing people with different kind of thinking from different industries, as well as uh, people from your industry. We have three more minutes till the end of the show. So I really want to thank Rochelle for an amazing content today. Um, I'm definitely going to go and revisit uh, this show because I know that while uh, I may have participated in the conversations, I have not done all the things that uh, Rochelle recommends. Um, secondly, I have asked Rochelle before the show to prepare a conversation for our next guest, next week's guest, another TAB advisor, Anne Comer, um, and create an organization enabling decision makers in organization, leverage their ability to channel their energy into actions, behaviors that make that have the most impact on their business. So, Rochelle, what is your question? So we had, talked, we had talked earlier a little bit about um, when I was at RIM and I was getting frustrated with some of the decision-making that was going on in the organization and, and people weren't listening to me. So my question is, what do you do if you work for someone who has poor decision-making skills? That's amazing. Thank you. And I'm sure that for those people who listen and uh, as I'll be using the content of this show, it's a question that comes up uh, a lot of the times because, as I said earlier in the show, we are definitely much better of seeing the mistakes in judgment in other people than we are in ourselves. However, from that point to the point where we are actually effective in influencing them to make better decisions, it's still a long way. 
thank you all for listening to our show. Thank you, Rochelle, for sharing with us all your um, expertise and experience and how you, um, you came to be a successful entrepreneur. We hope to um, have you again with us next week when Anne Coma will talk more about her organization and how she adds value to TAB and to our clients. And until then, please visit us at www.trustedadvisoryboard.com. We will continue to write things that we believe help you and bring you a lot of value. Have a great week and see you on the show next time. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Because There's More. Join Laura Ellis again next Monday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to tune in because there's more. 